I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Hello, Jay Mac. Hey, yo. How are you doing? Uh, I'm a little sleepy today. It was like total daddy daycare for Izzy Poo. Nice. I actually had like a all day workshoppy meeting thing, teleconference thing. So it was like, I mean, I love it, but like by the end of the day, you're just like, you're like totally parent brain, like goo goo. Uh. Yeah, it's pretty exhausting. Like it's more exhausting than you'd intuitively think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think it'd be like pretty easy stuff, but it's kind of like constant attention. It's almost like at a conference, you know, like at the end of the conference, you're kind of tired. You need like an hour to go take like a power nap before you do like the after conference activities. Yeah. Because it's just like so brain like focus. But you think that because like the, the content, like it's not like you're having long deep and meaningful conversations with sure. your infant you'd think that that wouldn't be that draining but i was looking at it more from like the intent focus perspective yeah like yeah you're not getting crazy intellectual with baby per se but like it's it's more about the focus like when you go sit at a 50 minute talk like you're focused on the talk the whole time yeah same thing when i sit with izzy between a, a nap i'm like focused on her for the 50 minutes while she's awake you know yeah so i just saw a video of her laughing and it was adorable. Yeah. Oh yeah. She laughed for the first time today. Like actually like a belly laugh, chuckle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was like, I was like, you're the cutest thing ever. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's on the, for the podcast. <laughs> that's yeah. I'm leaving it. Screw it. That's my Izzy voice. Everyone. I do it all day. Eight to five. <laughs> so actually, I, I think I read somewhere that like, like it was better to like, just use your regular voice. It's so hard not to, though. <laughs> I've been better about it. Like, I've been breaking out of it. But but it, that's kind of, like, now my jokey Izzy voice. Like, yep. you know, I'm a guy. Like, she does something cute. I'm not like, how do you say, like, words like that in a guy voice? You know, that's that's precious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it sounds weird. <laughs> sounds very creepy doing yeah. that. So, anyway, um, the point is, is, like, that's why I lean to the Izzy voice when I say things like that. Yeah. But yeah, when I'm playing with her, I try to I try to use a regular voice. I think it's just impossible to resist using baby voice, though, with, with animals sure. and, and babies. I read that, though. You're right, though. I read that. And, and they say, like, use a full vocabulary, too. Don't just use, like, you know, poo, poo voice yeah, like, or, or like, words. Yeah, like, you know, the doggy and I, I don't know. I can't. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Actually use the real yeah. words of things because otherwise you're teaching them, like, one word, and then later on you're like, hey, you know I taught you that word? It's actually a different word. The real word is dog. <laughs> In a way, it would kind of be funny to do, like, a hardcore experiment where you just told them the wrong name for something until they were, like, eight and got out in the world and realized <laughs> it wasn't the right word. But, like, then, like, when they became 20, like, they still kind of said it, you know, because it was, like, so ingrained. That's that's probably child abuse. <laughs> it probably is, which is why no one's ever done it. But in Again, as my mind wanders, it's, yeah. it's just funny. Oh, yeah. So. There's all sorts of interesting things. I'd be like, oh, it'd be an interesting experiment. And like I had twins. So it was like, oh, I wonder we did one thing with one twin and one thing with the other. Yeah. See, there you go. The scientific part of my brain is like, oh, there's all these experiments we could do. We've got kind of like a control and a experiment. But then it's like, no, bad Jess. <laughs> one turns out Danny DeVito and the other one's like Arnold. Yep. Right. Old school, old school twins reference. Old yep. school. There you go. I could do 80s movies all day. I could watch 80s movies all day. (laughs) 
Cool. So um, if you haven't been able to tell already, we uh, didn't really have anything specific to talk about in this podcast. So uh, about 20 minutes ago now, I opened it up on Twitter and just said, you know, hey, we're recording in 15 minutes. What do you want to hear about? So we're just going to burn through some of these random things here. So this is going to kind of be like a what I would call a, a scatter shot or a shotgun approach to this episode. Just doing it live. Yeah, doing it live, basically. So let's uh, let's jump right in and get. Th- there's there's about six or seven of these. So let's let's jump in and get to it. Nice. So Mark, I believe, asked us about best practices for deployment or converting a Bootstrap CSS project to Tailwind with Shift. So basically, using the Tailwind converter, which is a Shift that will convert. Bootstrap to Tailwind. Now it'll do anything, but we of course market it because it's probably a larger audience of people wanting to go from a Bootstrap application to a Tailwind application. Yeah. And just for a little backstory, that was our original uses because Laravel Shift was built previously in Bootstrap. So indeed. And why do something manually when you can automate it? That's right. That's actually where a lot of shifts are born for me and and even the original shift itself um the concept was born because at the time i worked for a web agency and i think we had like 12 laravel projects and we needed to upgrade them to be i think at the time was maybe like gosh php 5.6 or something Mm -hmm. but we wanted to be like the latest version of php which required bumping to like laravel 5 and everything was like 4.0 and 4.1 and 4.2 of laravel and it was I was like, this is, this is for the birds. I'm not, I'm not doing this 12 times. Yeah. So. Automata. So yeah, shift was born. Yeah, nice. But anyway, same thing for the tailwind converter. And, and, and you actually kind of took point on building a little bit of this automation. So why don't you kind of tell us what would be your approach for, as the creator, if you will, of the tailwind converter? Okay. How would you recommend using it for converting a bootstrap CSS project to Tailwind with that particular shift? What would what would be your process? Right. Well, I mean the first thing that's really important is you need to commit the your compiled CSS to the repo for the shift to be able to see what you've got. That's kind of a, a mistake some people make, but it's pretty hard for us to do the conversion without actually seeing the CSS. Because for us to compile the CSS, we'd have to like download all of your dependencies and then run whichever build system you're using. So that's kind of an essential. That's not really like a best practice. That's you literally cannot shift without that. Yeah. That's one of the requirements of using it. Yeah. And so like the thing to know with the shift, I guess, is that it creates uh, out apply rules, like tailwind out apply rules for everything because your code base is generally made up of a whole bunch of partials. There's no way for us to know like the context in the DOM of where something sits with something else. So we can't just like really easily just go in and actually change the HTML classes on the elements because it's it's too easy to get it wrong. Yeah. So we keep your existing class name. So if you're using Bootstrap components, because Bootstrap's a component library, Tailwind's utility library. So if you're using Bootstrap components, like the panel, for example, your class will stay the same. You'll still have panel, but panel will now be made up of an add apply class with all of the Tailwind classes that are the closest match. And this is the coolest thing about this whole shift from my perspective is that it rounds your values to the closest match in Tailwind. So if you kind of had a whole bunch of different values, you had like 50 different grays, it's now going to round you to a set of curated grays. 
it's nice because you kind of end up in the tailwind design system i think is kind of what we say exactly yeah you know of course it honors what you would have been using in bootstrap so these these aren't just arbitrary necessarily they're they're rounded and matched yeah um as best as possible but like yeah that's kind of like a nice side effect we don't probably play that up enough but like you know, it's definitely converting your CSS to be Tailwind CSS. And again, it's not just Bootstrap, it's anything. You could be using Foundation or Balma or, you know, just your own custom CSS framework. And you're going to end up with a lot of Tailwind add apply rules inside of your CSS file because that's what it's going to kind of match and generate for you. But they should still, on the surface, style and, and yield roughly the same design. Exactly, yeah. And that makes it going forward if you're maintaining this code base and actually wanting to start using Tailwind, which is the whole reason you'd probably run this converter, is when you start using Tailwind classes, the spacing and everything you use in Tailwind will be consistent with what, you know, your old bootstrap classes had because they're they're using the same scaling system under the hood now. Yeah. And you can now go into the Tailwind docs and all of the values that are there are the same ones you can use. This is probably one of my biggest, I don't know what the opposite of a best practice is, but one of the things that I don't like doing with Tailwind is completely customizing the Tailwind config to the point where the Tailwind docs are no longer that useful because the values that it shows in there are not actually the values that you have configured. Yeah. So we always take the approach of as close as possible to the defaults because it's easier to onboard new people. It's easier to work on multiple projects. There's just so many benefits to using as close to possible as defaults for anything. One more thing I want to say about that HTML is some people would be like, well, why didn't I convert my HTML? Like get rid of all those things. And the, and the main reason for that is the real issue, um, especially when you're using something like Bootstrap CSS, as a framework is it's not just CSS actually it's it's kind of an entire front-end framework or like component library if you will yeah because some of these panels or modals or whatever they are like these classes have JavaScript and behavior tied to them so if we go changing your markup it's not just that we can't kind of reliably do it sort of speak it's also because we would potentially break that JavaScript and we aren't replacing that. So you yeah. really get the best of both worlds with this converter. You know, again, you might be thinking, oh, well, it didn't change my HTML. So what the heck's the point? Well, the benefit is, is that you basically can keep your current design, your current site, current markup and all of your behavior, but yet run Tailwind completely moving forward. You don't have to run two frameworks. You don't have to build two, you know, CSS files or anything like that. You don't have to stack anything or be weird. You can just know that it's all Tailwind underneath. And yeah, a section of these pages may still be kind of quote unquote bootstrap markup, but it all still functions as CSS and all still behaves and looks hopefully the same as your existing site did. Exactly. Like you don't have bootstrap as a dependency of your project anymore. It's not like it's kind of half half in between. It's completely removing it, but it is keeping their naming conventions. So as far as the process, like specifically, I would definitely run the shift uh, and then review the site and get it looking like make sure all the design like fidelity is there because there's going to be some impacts, you know, where we've rounded things like colors or sizes that you might want to go in and, and tweak and bump it up to maybe the next largest, you know, breakpoint or go in and look at Tailwind's color palette and, and tweak that, you know, gray or red up just one level or down a level right yeah but beyond that as soon as you feel like you've kind of reached that design fidelity i would deploy (laughs) 
go ahead and get it out there. Get your build process looking good. Because uh, two things. One, hopefully it's going to be a much smaller CSS footprint because you're going to have Tailwind with Purge configured. Mm-hmm. And then two, you know, again, it's it's a unified framework at that point. So even that alone would be a win on the on the uh, file size and, and kind of performance of the site. And then from there, I would systematically say anytime you redesigned or touched a page to add a feature or whatever, you would take the time to then potentially move that markup, move that JavaScript to whatever your ultimate yeah. design goal is, right? It's kind of like you're moving the entire mountain by, you know, one shovel full, you know, at a time. Yep. And with utilities, it makes that a lot easier because you can do that. You don't have to flick a switch and have everything change in one go. You can do a much, you know, more gradual migration. Yeah. It's a more practical approach too, because if you think about it, like if you spent the time to redesign a site, like not only are you dealing with the redesign decisions, but now you're also dealing with like the rebuild decisions which are never so cut and dry like you're never just going to change the markup you're going to end up adopting a new javascript framework you're going to end up changing some features on a page you're going to end up moving some parts of the site to a different part of the site yeah you're never just going to take the exact same site and build it in something else that's just never how it works so this is i would argue ultimately for those reasons a faster approach i think it probably took us what four five maybe six months at the most to kind of get full tailwind away from bootstrap yeah but we ran it and deployed it right away and then or anytime we built a new section of the site we knew we could use tailwind and over time it just there was a small enough thing still using bootstrap that now it was like hey let's spend the next two weeks and just knock these suckers out yeah so sweet okay um moving on devin has a question he's asking about protecting your application from the outside world uh, default configurations that should be changed, security hardening. This is actually it's pretty it's a pretty deep question. You could probably put yeah. an entire episode on there. <laughs> I don't know. Do we have do we have maybe a few quick things we could mention about configuration? Any anything you do default configuration wise, default eye to security for your site or database or anything like that that you could think of off the top of your head? Um, I might have one or two things, but it's, I hate to say it, but it's, it's not always top of mind for me. Yeah. I mean, like Laravel's secure by default, right? So it's, for me, it's more about being mindful of when you are working around some of those security features. So if you're using, um, like the blade raw or SQL raw or any of those sorts of things where you're kind of bypassing the security features, to always have like a really critical eye as basically put a different hat on, put the attacker's hat on, the attacker can see your code and go, cool, how can I exploit this? Yeah. But if you're, if you're staying within the boundaries of like the normal sort of like cruddy stuff, I don't know, in my opinion, things are, things are pretty safe. There is actually a really good um, talk, which we can link in the, in the show notes around like Laravel security. Yeah. I think it was given at a, a Laracon EU, but the guy that created it lives in Brisbane here. So I actually got to see it live, which is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, we'll find that. I know I saw like a little open source package or or even service from the Laravel community recently. I, th- I think it's Enlighten, maybe. Okay. Um, we'll link to that too. I think it's it's a little bit of security stuff and as well as performance. I think those were their, their kind of two pillars that they looked at. 
So we can link to that too. I've been meaning to run it uh, myself, but just kind of going back to the question, uh, maybe two quick things that I can think of. Mm-hmm. This one's super obvious these days, but you know, maybe a couple of years ago wasn't as um, kind of de facto. But of course, HTTPS, um, you know, so easy yeah, to um, just have everything, you know, with Let's Encrypt, get a get a certificate and get that running. Uh, so that that should be kind of a no brainer these days. But again, a couple of years ago, not every site of mine. Uh, was HTTPS. Yeah, now that browsers are like pretty much putting red flags on sites that aren't yeah, using HTTPS, yeah. it's like... It's now a- it's kind of required. So that one's a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Another thing too is um, I've gotten, especially with Shift, um, I've gotten better. Uh, I, d- I don't necessarily do this on all my sites, but with Shift, I, I definitely consider this more just because of the, like, the tokens and things like that that mm-hmm. sometimes are, are present uh, is like database uh, encryption. So like encrypting definitely at least the the data that goes into the fields themselves and again laravel makes that super easy but also you know you can actually even you know kind of encrypt uh the tables themselves you know so yeah um so those things are nice things to consider depending on the application so those would just be two very very quick things um again maybe we'll put some links in the show notes to some cooler stuff but it's it's just not always top of mind for me and and not saying it shouldn't be but just being honest it's not an area i've ever really gotten that deep into i also like tend to just use things like forge or vapor as well that like configure the server for you and i you know effectively i'm trusting that they know what they're doing sure and outsourcing that so that i can kind of focus on on the rules and things but it really depends on what software i'm building right like you know i've worked on stuff for police and governments and We've got pen testers and all that that come in and, you know, try and hack it. Whereas, like, some of my own little side projects, it's, I don't know, it's, there's a different level of severity, I guess, in terms of, like, the consequences of what can happen if something goes wrong with your data or something something gets in or gets out. It's not it's not necessarily on security, but um, Shift has also taught me this as well. I wasn't always so great with, like, backups, in in that regard Mm -hmm. um so that you know it's not necessarily dealing with security per se but when maybe the worst should happen you know you're definitely going to want backups so that's something i would think of again tons of packages in the community uh that make that super easy to do uh, or even services if if you need to i've always got at least a snapshot that's maybe a day old at the worst and as someone who's had to actually use those snapshots before even that isn't always awesome like you know, you're still always going to lose just a bit of data. And if yeah, maybe you had a flood of traffic or it was a busy time during the day, like, you know, it, it sucks to kind of piece those back together. And I've, d- I've done it twice now, I think, for Shift, where I've had to kind of rebuild um, the database. So yeah, right. definitely consider that, too. On that topic, I actually set up yeah. the other day. I'm not a big fan of the down method in migrations, right? Like, it's just yeah. problematic. So the other day on just like one of my side projects, I was like, I'm going to just experiment with using Spartsy's Laravel backup package and setting it up that on deploy, it does a backup as the very first thing it does. So if something goes crazy wrong with the migrations, I've got a backup from like a second before it. Nice. And so far that's actually working pretty cool. Um, I don't know. It's, it's something I'm toying with, but um, nice. like at my kind of, you know, main day job, our whole environment set up in ways that it'll, you know, with Amazon and that, that it'll take a snapshot before migrations and all those sorts of things. But in terms of like more of a, like a DIY without a DevOps department kind of setup, um, yeah, just like in Forge setting up Laravel 
Laravel backup to run on deploy. That's actually the one I use as well. So we'll definitely link to that package in the show notes too. So yeah, nice. All right, one more, and we'll kind of wrap it up since again this was a bit of a, a scattershot episode. But um, Dorinda asked us to talk about time travel. Yes. So um, we'll spend a few minutes talking about time travel. Completely arbitrary. It's going to get off the rails. So well, it depends. Like what type of time travel he's talking about. I mean, Laravel has time travel methods. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Knowing Dorinda a little bit, that's probably not the one he was talking about. But let's let's play let's play on like he was for a second to keep this on the rails for just a bit longer. Okay. So yeah, uh, you want to talk about the new time travely features? Yeah, it's it's just for just for testing. So oftentimes you'll have some code that you know you want to run a scenario where something happens in the past and then something happens again at another date. And something should happen because of the time. And so when you're testing that, you need to like simulate that time change happening. And sometimes it's easy as like when you're creating a record, you just set the created at as now minus, you know, sub days five. But sure. there's times where you can't inject into that process. Yeah. And so Carbon has, for as long as I've used it, had this method, this static method called set test now. And you can pass in a Carbon instance and then all calls to Carbon will use that time and so you've been able to do these things in laravel for a while but now there's like a first party method in like a test helper that's travel to and all these sorts of things and behind the scenes it's it's using that and as long as in your code base everywhere you interact with time you're doing it via carbon no sneaky calls to you know built-in php's date or anything like that Mm -hmm. then yeah, you're sweet. Once you kind of wrap your head around that terminology, which I, I don't think is a big leap at all, but once you do, it is way smoother than kind of the set test now and then like yeah. remembering like, okay, well, don't use a mutable date with carbon. Yes. Like, you know, I've been, been bitten by that. I'll set test now and then I'll do now plus two days. And then later down the code, I'll reference that same now, so to speak. And it's like, I'm still off. And I'm like, what, what, what's going on? And it's because... Well, now I'm also dealing with like this mutating of dates. So yeah, carbon being mutable by default is yeah. a recipe for all sorts of unexpected problems. Yeah. So you know, I think it it makes it more clear that you're toying with dates in your test, and I I yeah. do like the communication of it. So even though I didn't mean to kind of take that tangent, <laughs> uh, as far as Rails, it is inspired by Rails. So if you used uh, Rails before, then you know that they have very very similar functionality in their kind of test layer to to kind of time travel and wormhole and loop back time nice prior to these new helper methods i had my own helper method called acting at which kind of complements the acting as so you go you know if you're making a request this acting as user acting at this time which i quite liked so yeah what if I think I had like a set now because I just I never liked the set test now I just mm. For something like Carbon, it was so asymmetrical, like it was so out of place. Everything else in Carbon is so nice, you know. Now, format, add day. You know, it's not even add days one. Like they even say add day. Like it was very crisp. Set test now was like where they just gave up and said, application manager state. (laughs) It's a bit, yeah, it is a bit awkwardly worded, which is hard because like you're basically changing the value of now for tests, but... Yeah, well, why not I just do, do yeah. set now? That's the point. Why not just set say now. set now then? Like, just drop test and it's it's already better. But anyway. Maybe they're trying to signal that, like, you should never use that in your regular code. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. Maybe. Good call. 
<laughs> Maybe they were. Anyway. Anyway. As far as time travel in general, though, mm-hmm. I will have one random thing to say on it, and then we can end. But it kind of brings us full circle, which is is also, in, in my mind, kind of cool, because we're talking about time travel. Back to the beginning of the episode, talking about Izzy. Yeah. When I look at her, she is like the future, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking at time in a way when I see her. Like, she's my future, but but the future beyond me, too. Like, when I am gone, she is here. She will be the next yeah. to kind of take over and continue, right? The continuation mm-hmm. of, not not me necessarily, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. that that's That's been kind of like the most, in a way, like individual mind-blowing parent thing for me. Okay. Like everything she does is mind blowing as she learns and reaches for things and laughs like we talked about. But for me as being the parent and and in my own like individualism, that is mind blowing for me to think like you are the future. You are time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to explain because it's so. Well, it's like there's all this kind of like potential there, right? Like, yeah. It's like stored potential energy. For me, it, it, it really hits the thread of, of time, if you will. So it's like, yeah, when I see her, I just think like future time beyond me. Like, it's just, it's so much bigger, right? Like, yeah, it is really crazy to think about like that far in the future where you're not around anymore. She's maybe had kids. Like thinking past your existence. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. That, that things will continue going on after we stop existing is... So not exactly time travel per se, but it made me think of of that and kind of bringing the episode as a as a hopefully as a full loop there. Yeah. So what's your favorite time travel movie? Favorite time travel? Oh, I mean, obviously, again, going back to 80s again, love the love the tangents connecting. But yeah, obviously, Back to the Future is great. Yeah, 100 percent. I did appreciate Avengers Endgame where they kind of joked on time for about 15 minutes of that movie where they were just like cracking jokes about like time heist and like you can't go back to the past because your past is a future and your future is your past and that becomes your present and it's like i really enjoyed that kind of banter for a few minutes okay i haven't seen it <laughs> oh sorry it's fine well no no spoilers there but like it's not necessarily a time travel movie but obviously that is an element of kind of how they save the day so to speak but yeah but yeah, coming back to, was it Robot Man? Whatever I called. Yes, Iron Robot Man. Man's in it. I just haven't seen like a lot of the, that Marvel DC, whatever it is, universe stuff. So Marvel DC universe. You know, the, the all the comic book movies. I don't even know who's from what, like Batman. I'm and... sad for you. I'm sad <laughs> for you right now. You're, in, you're embarrassing me. I just don't get, I just don't get it. I'm not editing that out, by the way. That's like, fine. if we're keeping my Izzy voice, we're keeping your Marvel DC universe. You know, I know they're two separate companies. Planetarium. But to me, they blend together. The DC Planetarium. Yeah. Okay. To me, we'll they visit blend there together. together. It's just like comic book superhero stuff that, <sighs> for the most part, I just don't get. But I like Robot Man. I'm sorry, everyone. No, Robot Guy. <laughs> robot on, Guy. Sorry. Stick with, robot stick guy. with the common name. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Well, we've. We've done it now, so we've done it. Peace. Yep. End end episode. Sorry, everyone. End episode. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash thirty-five.